Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Welcome to Hoovering, the podcast about eating. I'm Jessica Bostecu. I love eating as much as anything else in the world, but also it sometimes brings me conflict, shame, and all sorts of other things that are rubbish. It's complicated and I think fascinating. This is a conversation with an interesting soul, not just about food, but about gobbling it up, or if you will, hoovering. Hey winners! This week's guest is an absolute catch, as far as I'm concerned, because she's the creator and mastermind behind a cooking book that I use at least once a week. It's like a Bible to me. It's called The Green Roasting Tin. And she is none other than Rukmini Ayer, the creator of that book and another series of tray-baked recipe books, as well as other recipe books, but it's the tray-baked ones that have um, sort of lodged themselves into my heart, I imagine, for the rest of my life. They are so good. Um, she's all, she's on Instagram as Miss Minifer, if you know her better as that. Um, and she's actually got a new book coming out. Not that I knew that before we arranged a hoover together. Another vegetarian one. Um, or barbecue stuff, uh, fittingly, called The Green Barbecue. First of all, though, I just want to say thanks for listening to Hoovering. Tell everyone else about it, okay? Um, One way to do that is to subscribe to the podcast. You can give it a five-star review if you like as well. Why not? It's a nice thing to do. Tell your friend about it. Tell a friend and a relative about it on one of your weekly Zooms. I'd be deeply grateful for that. If you love the podcast so much, you'd like to help me out financially with running the podcast, you can do that. You can give a one-off payment at Acast Supporter, or you can give anything from as little as two quid a month and become a patron. Go to patreon.com forward slash the hoovering pod and you'll see all the cool stuff I swap. Um, Podcast related things like guest recipes, exclusive content, discount or free tickets to live shows. Um, All 
sorts really in exchange for your hard-earned cash or if you're like mm, I just want to give you a fiver once that's where you'd go to Acast Supporter to do that. If you're based in or around London and you want to try Oddbox where I get my wonky fruit and veg um, you can get a t- tenner off your first box if you want. There's a link in the podcast notes or in the at the hoovering pod on Twitter and the bio there there's a link which makes a box only a few quid so you'd be very welcome to use that link. I think Oddbox are incredible they salvage lots of food that would have otherwise gone to waste but you wouldn't know it's that everything you get in the box is just as snazzy as you'd get in any normal fruit and veg box it's just sometimes a bit scuffed or massive or whatever. Right so let's get into this episode of Rook Mini. She is so charming and brilliant and brainy and she's a chef but she's been a food stylist I, there were so many things I wanted to pick her beautiful brilliant mind about as you'll hear I was pretty giddy um, we had lunch together over the zooms as is the modern way I made a herb frittata from one of her books and she made a recipe I will let her reveal from a future book which sounded amazing. I felt like I could almost smell it as it was cooking in her home. Um, The only thing to warn you about is that there is some background noise from our pets and at one point an oven beeps. But I mean, what can you do? That's um, that's lockdown life, babe. If you get upset about that, then there's so much more in the world to be worried about. Um, I reckon just sort of do some work on really letting it go. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so at some point... Our, our pets are noisy but yeah that's that's all there is to warn you about other than that just have a lovely time please i certainly did as you'll hear i have made your persian herb frittata from i think your most recent book is it the around the world one yes that's right yes. yeah i just uh, i think i might be like i'm i already know i'm quite a slow reader like at novels and stuff i think <laughs> i might also be like a slow chopper I don't know if this is a thing, but like I get all, I've learned over the years, like get all your stuff ready and get everything chopped before you do the actual mixing of stuff together and that. But I'll like, I'll find my, I can't, I like chop, I chop the dill and then I was like, I just, I just quickly put that bin out. Like, I can't, like, I can't, I really struggle to focus on the task in hand, especially during lockdown. So yeah, long story short, mine's um, still in the oven and then it will have, 10 minutes resting time perfect perfect well, that's perfect yes that will be about the time that my bread and butter pudding comes out of the oven so i'm always so impressed by anybody who makes bread and butter pudding let alone on the regular it's such a great way of using up um slightly gone hard bread isn't it absolutely uh and chocolate which is always good to use <gasps> always oh, got chocolate in. oh so it's a chocolate bread and butter pudding yes oh, so i'm testing yes. it for my next book which is a baking book so <gasps> it's got a whole bread and butter chapter um, so oh, we've kind of had baked right. goods coming out of our ears and yeah. I feel like I may not have any teeth. This might be the last time anyone sees my teeth because they're probably about to rot. <laughs> <laughs> just, just having, just having to taste, yeah, sugar Cakes. every five minutes. Yeah. The first few days it was fun. And then, yeah, you know, I know everyone says, oh, sugar's probably bad for you. And no, I think that's rubbish. I ate sugar as a kid. I was yeah. fine. And then. And then you realise, no, actually, I think my mood is actually really quite badly affected by these peaks and troughs in yeah. eating. Even if you only have a small bit of cake, but if you're making five a day, you've got to test them. Or, you know, taste yeah, them. totally. Yeah. Oh, no, definitely. I, um, I, feel, I feel very affected by sugar, actually. I feel like it's one of the ah. few things where, um, well, I suppose it's so terrible, but like every now and again, I'm like, oh, I'm really feeling the effect of caffeine or, oh, I feel really drunk after one glass of wine. Where is sugar? <laughs> I always think, oh God, I've had some sugar. Oh, I've had some sugar. Like I feel very... Um, Jumpy? Yeah. 
Yeah, a bit jumpy ah. and a bit hyper. I did an episode of this with a, a brilliant comedian called Sook Odgler, and we made a um, a type of like a sort of fried donutty bread covered mm. in sugar, and it was so yeah. delicious. But, um, you know, it was hard for me to listen back. I had to cut lots of it out because I sounded hammered. I, sounded <laughs> way, I just sounded wasted because I was so... And I'd made like a puree, like a, a strawberry sauce to drizzle on it. It was mm. just icing sugar and fresh strawberries, basically. But it Lovely. was like, Sweet. I was, it was so delicious, but I was absolutely, yeah. It, made me, <laughs> it did, it did make, make me the best host. Oh, well, my cat has come for a sniff around. If I oh, brilliant. My, my dog is just in the background. Um, she has this love-hate relationship with cats where I think she would quite like to be friends with them. But if they run, she'll run after them. And they don't right. like that. Yeah. I will tell you an interesting thing about if you're having to have lots of sugar for testing at the moment mm. that a dentist friend taught me or I watched her doing with her children was like, what's that about? Is apparently if you have some cheese after sugar, that's great for your teeth. Oh, wow. That sounds like a great tip. Thank you so much. I mean, so it could much. be absolute bollocks, but it was a dentist friend who said it. It's just no, something to do with the sense. alkaline Maybe after it the neutralizes it. some sort of neutralising action. And any mm. excuse to have some cheese, right? Absolutely. Um, I'm sorry if you can hear some clucking in the background. I don't oh, know why fine. she's crying. Pepe, can you stop crying, please? Do you want to come and say hi? Yes, please. <laughs> Oh, that was, that was her come and gone. Sorry, hopefully oh, she'll settle bless. down. That's okay. Um, hey, look, it's a podcast. It's um, <laughs> it's not live radio. One, it's everyone on live radio. Listen to my dog. <laughs> yeah, come and listen to my dog having a snuffle. Um, no. No, I mean, I think this is... Uh, it, it, the sounds of uh, clanking and cooking and houses and pets are all most welcome on this yes. podcast. Um, so I, I've got so many things I want to ask you. You've written... Is it four books now? Uh, four roasting tin books are out now, roasting and I I, I ghost wrote some books before that. So oh, amazing! Well, yeah, I want to ask about that actually, um, because I mean, I suppose actually you're, you're probably bored of answering it, but I'd love to you <laughs> start as a food stylist and then move into the. I mean, what's the dif- what's the definition of a food stylist versus a chef? Because it seems to sort of be a chef, but who also has to make it look beautiful. Uh I think that's a good definition. I don't think chefs think that food stylists are necessarily real chefs. I mean, as right. in it helps as a stylist if you've had some chef training. Uh, yes, okay. So you understand the cooking part, but then the yeah. styling part is the visual part. So you have to stop thinking like a chef and start thinking like a photographer and right. how things are going to look on the plate. So isn't that interesting? I would think historically, because you're, the books, the tray bait books, I mean, they're all stuff that you can pop in one tray and pop in the other. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's incredible. I've used them so much. The, I'm mainly veggie, and the green tin one is, you know, it's probably one of the most well-thumbed books in my house, and it looks oh, like I think any you. brilliant cookbook should, as in it's, like, all covered in scuds of old food and dirty <laughs> handprints. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, no, like, mine are as well. It's, it's joyful. I find that joyful to look at. <laughs> Slightly crinkly like, pages because of yeah, tomato juice and stuff. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, um, there's a, is it the, I don't know how to pronounce it right, but Gado Gado or Gado Gado recipe. Oh. Gado Gado, but I don't actually. Gado Gado, that's right. Just literally the yeah, only just... version of it I didn't try there. Yeah. Gado Gado. <laughs> <It's, laughs> that, but I, I might know. be pronouncing it wrong. No, I bet you're not. I, I, I uh. <laughs> Yeah, I'm Mrs. Malaprop, but I um, I make that probably every couple of weeks. And it's that so is nice. Like, there's isn't so it? much that the peanut, peanut butter sauce. Hand oh my word! It's like I craft. Could, oh, thanks, darling. 
Wow. Mine has arrived. And it's garnished. Ta-da. Mon Dieu. Oh, yes, Is your partner chef? <laughs> no. No, she's not. I um, I made it and then she, she, I think she's got a spidey sense for when I'm um, but like just about to teeter into stress and just went, do you want to start your podcast? And I'll finish that off like an absolute hero. That's so nice. That's exactly what you want. Oh my god, it smells amazing. Oh, fantastic. Wow. It looks great. In. Oh, yes. Oh, I'm really excited about it. <laughs> um I should hear my beeper go off for the um for the pudding. I think it maybe be another 10 minutes. Oh, perfect. Well, I'm going to let it do its sitting thing. But um, oh, yes. that's what I was going to say, I think. Because in my mind, things that you'd cook in the oven in one tray aren't the most photogenic thing. So it does seem, do you know what I mean? I think I feel like surely things like a cottage pie or the things you traditionally think of that you just stick, get to stick in the oven for an hour and get on with your life for a bit, you know, <laughs> joyfully, are they not the most um, photogenic generally? Yes, this is with absolute blinder there. Well, I suppose if some things like gratin, 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 yeah. gratin, gratin <laughs> uh, they are, yes, just com- comedy French accents. Um, they are, they look lovely and, bubbly and crunchy on top but that is a lot of brown and there are a fair number of those in the books but I think they're mixed up with I always think you know if you if something looks nice it's probably going to taste nice and if you have a if you have a tray of roasted vegetables you're both thinking well what's going to improve my eating experience and that's probably also going to improve how it looks so handful of herbs handful of nuts maybe a burrata in the middle or like a, a yogurt dressing you know you just think of and as a burrata you, I, in the middle of something I mean, has I think never a not in the middle improved of anything. it. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the first time I tried that in a pizza restaurant near my house and mm, it was like, yes. oh God. That is like, yes. yeah, mozzarella times a million, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? And they give you one just for you. And you're like, yes, yeah. you're all mine. That's all mine. It should always be. Yes. Um, if you've never tried it and you're listening, it's like this sort of giant buffalo mozzarella ball that you... Pierce it's and it's like liquid, liquid inside. inside. Yes. Oh, oh that's oh, so nice. Yeah. Um, um, and the nice thing about lockdown, I think, and the fact that you can't go out to restaurants is if you think, oh, well, I would have gone out to a restaurant, you can usually find it like a local deli or someone who yeah. is delivering their restaurant quality burrata. And you think, well, basically. I deserve this. Yeah. I deserve, I'm not yeah. paying restaurant wine prices, so yeah. I shall spend it on cheese instead. Ah, oh, totally. <laughs> I'd love to know how your, just sort of a, a synopsis of your career history, if that's not too massive and vague a version of the question. Like, how do you go into food styling? And then how did you go into your books? Why tray bakes? And um, yeah, how exciting that there's a baking one coming. <laughs> I do like baking. But yeah, where did it all begin for you in terms of making food look beautiful? Why that side of it and maybe not chefing initially and then, or did you do chefing? Anyway, I'd love to know it, please. <laughs> okay, sure. Okay, I'll try not to make it too wordy. And that way you can ask more questions rather than if I just go off on a monologue and you're like, yes, well, I've heard your entire life history and it's six hours later and I'm... <laughs> um, so I used to be a lawyer and I really found it incredibly dull and boring. And it was back when people had just started food blogging and I didn't really know what that was. Um but I started a Tumblr right. and I just sort of started looking at these pretty pictures of food and thinking, oh, I quite like, you know, and I was just using my phone and just uploading things that I made. And 
I, at the same time, concurrently, I sort of read about this job called food styling. And I thought, oh, that's kind of what I'm doing, which is arranging things. And God, if I look now at some of the pictures I took, but I mean, it was six or seven years ago. Absolutely horrendous, but you've got to start somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then no, I, you don't want to talk about my comedy from six or seven years ago. <laughs> it's, it's always, it's a, it's a graph and you should hope it's always going to go up and not like curve back down again. Yeah. Um, but I, I just realised that doing that and thinking of fun things to make and going to the supermarket on the way home and planning my dinner. And um, I had a massive cookbook collection. I, I had always loved cooking anyway, but there was a new part to it, which was photographing food I made, which was not a thing. You know how it became a thing? Look, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, the, People didn't really photograph their dinner maybe 10 years ago, um, but now, they, or back then they, they did. And I, I had thought a, a few times, maybe I, I would like to be a, a cook instead, but I don't know how. And I realised that working as a chef would be really, really useful as training, but it wasn't a lifestyle that I really wanted. Yeah, I could kind sure. of tell that before I'd worked in a kitchen. And I did work in a kitchen over the summer after I went to cookery school and I, it just sort of confirmed what I thought, which is it was yeah. great training, but it is so, it's really blokey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's I, like everyone's lovely who works in the kitchens, but they're all about, I don't know, 16. I was 25 yeah. and I felt like everyone's grandma and they all had so much energy and you have to just have this, I suppose it is like uh, doing service must be kind of analogous to doing a comedy gig. You have mm. all this adrenaline and you're on, on, on. And then it's over and then you can't sleep, but then you've got to get up and get to the kitchen for 6.30 the next morning and do it all, get, yeah. all again. Uh, the prep prep time um, is, I mean, obviously they don't make you take the bins out halfway, but it, the prep time is more chilled. But yeah. every time you gear up towards service, you've got that. Yeah. And yeah, it's just so high octane. And I, I mm. thought I, I can't do this all the time. I love the buzz you get from service, but then if you've got to just do it every day, yeah. Um, even though the restaurant I worked at was a really, it was Tom Kitchen's restaurant up in Edinburgh, and oh, wow. because it's a because it's a fancy Michelin star one, actually they're not open all the time, so you yeah. get quite good days off. I think it's four days on, three days off. Great. Which is really good, but then I don't think you work any less hard in a normal restaurant where you don't get those kind of hours. Yeah. Um, no, of course. And and actually, like you, you, it, I suppose people who do work in that industry. Uh, you know 24 7 you just get used to it but equally I mean it just doesn't bode well for life expectancy <laughs> it's no it, it's so, it is high octane is just the most perfect description of it and I mean it is similar to being a comedian it's not similar to day-to-day life as a comedian because you choose how often you work you know um <laughs> yeah. and, and how often you do that kind of thing but it is it sounds like similar to the Edinburgh Festival actually where it's like oh yes just on adrenaline yeah you're on for a month and and you know and it just takes a really obvious toll on your body and your mental health like it does like you everybody yeah. gets everybody comes back and gets really ill and like oh like, because you just yes. yeah like you like just the re- reaction to it, it's taken a different form every single festival for me like it will <laughs> be like oh this year it's going to be gastric flu or oh this year oh it's going to be you know like it will be everybody and every single performer experiences it. it's a different sort of gradients depending on how um i suppose how uh sensible they were or weren't in 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 terms of how they decompress but I mean that's also similar for chefs isn't it it's like a how much do you yeah. need to drink afterwards to get to sleep basically isn't it a lot of the time yeah you come down like you were saying like you're so buzzing just to empty your head it's enough very to hard to it's really interesting so so I think that's such a oh I think it's an absolutely fascinating 
It does really feel like a fascinating parallel in terms of worlds of work that I'd never considered before, that you look at this testosterone, adrenaline-filled life and think, well, I don't want the life, but I want those skills and I want to work with that stuff and I want to work creatively in that respect. So with food, with eating, um, and especially, I think, I suppose then taking that visual side of it and saying how much of our eating we do with our eyes and our other senses before we've, I mean, actually just the smell of this is blowing my mind and I am going to have to start eating. (laughs) But um, yeah, and then going, well, how can you find a way into this um, that I do want to do and that will give me a life that you do want to have? I feel like women are doing that with comedy as well in the sense that we're going, well, I'll start a podcast or I will, I'll, I'll create a space that I would like to gig in on a Saturday night because it's not full of stags and hens and people that want to fight you know yes Um, it does feel feel like an interest that you met so you make your own new world you know you make you make a way into that world that would be a life that you want to lead is that yes I think that's that's a really that's a really kind of good analysis um and I I haven't thought well well the, the the interesting thing about that is that food styling well, you know, chefing is predominantly men. Yeah. Food styling is predominantly women. Right. And obviously things are changing now, but the photographers who are obviously getting paid a lot more, yeah. them, they tend to be men. And right. the stylist who's making all the food, you're on a much lower salary, even though they'd have nothing to photograph if you weren't making something on set. And oh, it doesn't told, make any sense. And I, oh, I was, oh, I was, God. I was, There's still I was told, so much work no, for feminism to do. I, I just, I was told very early on that the photographer is king, as in don't, don't wow. fuck with the photographer. I mean, or queen, if they're the queen. Yeah. And I've worked with both male and female photographers, and I really don't think there's very much difference. Yeah. I've started eating my frittata, and it's so delicious. I oh, I'm so glad you like it. I never... It's this, It's all... And you write about it, don't you, in the bit just before the recipe, but it's um, it's just head over heels herbs. Yeah, we don't, yeah. We have a bit of herbs on top of the main thing, but in Persian no, cooking... They don't fuck around. No, there's, this has got... A, it's a thousand to one herb to egg ratio. <laughs> yes, but it's, but it's so lovely. Good. I love the way they use herbs like we'd use spinach or yes. kale. Just that, that that is the... They're a green and they're a really tasty green, so why, why wouldn't you use tons Well, they're a hundred times more... I mean, I love spinach and kale, but what I love about them is that they're peppery and earthy. It's not the nice sort of yeah. nuts. Other than that, it's n- compared to dill, mint, parsley all together, mm. it's bland, spinach and kale. I mean, this, <laughs> also, I never thought I'd like... Di- I'd, I'd never, ever think to put dill and mint with in an, in, in an egg-based thing, but it works. It's so lovely and light and airy. I think you have to not go overboard on the dill for mm. us. Um because I think you can have too much dill. Mm-hmm. But the other herbs really temper it. And it makes, you know, when you go to some supermarkets and they've got big bunches of herbs, mm. that's what you want, rather than the little 25-gram packets yeah. or little 100-gram packets. I've got the dill um, in a big bunch from the oh, nice. shop. Oh, you've um, got one of those corner shops. Yeah, nice. I've got one of those corner shops. I'm in South East London. Jealous, jealous, jealous. delicious. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. I'd love to hear about your testing process, especially as you're in the middle of it at the moment. And yes. um, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of mystery around it. People don't, I don't think people understand. Well, on the one hand, I don't think lots of people know the graph that goes into putting together an entire book of recipes. Um, and also I think sometimes people, I mean... There are people who have other people do all of that for them. Oh, yes. Yeah, of course. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just want to know all about the graft and the process. Okay. So I think the tin books are a really easy example to start with because with, with those, I could think, right, I want a, a carrot-based roasting tin dish. Right. Mm, what's nice with carrots? Mm, cumin. Yeah, cumin's lovely. Oh, what else? Uh, coriander. Yeah, coriander's nice. Okay, so now I've just got carrots, coriander, cumin, I'll need some salt and oil. Mm, mm -hmm. That's the base of my dish. What am I going to serve it with? Maybe some baked feta. Okay, right. We slab, put slab of feta in the middle and then let's finish it off with mm, parsley, coriander, dill. Let's do dill. Right. And then, so when I submit a proposal for a book, I'll have, I always do 75 recipes because the thought of doing 100 just terrifies me. Yeah. So e each book is 75 because I feel that's wow. manageable. Yeah. And I will send into the publisher about 60 titles of recipes. Right. But as you can tell from um, the roasting tin books, Pepper, stop crying. <laughs> stop crying. Okay, go and find Dino. Where's Dino? Do you want to fetch Dino? Yeah? <laughs> Do you want to show Jess Dino? Yeah, can you show her the dinosaur? <gasps> can you put it up here? <laughs> Fetch it up. Was it the dinosaur? You got your dinosaur. Oh yeah! Oh. Well done. Well done. Good girl. She's gorgeous. So, sorry. So in um in a way they because that's because I I write my recipe titles in a way spiced right. roasted carrots with feta and parsley. Yeah. Feta, lemon, and parsley that really helps me when it comes to the testing because I can see at a glance everything that's meant to be in it. Yep. So for me, I, I find I can't really write that up until I've done it. So what I do is I have my laptop open or a piece of pen and paper, and then I grab everything I want from the fridge, put it out or, or cupboards. Yep. And then also I like the, the flexibility is, is why I prefer to test it in my house or my mum's house actually because she's got a great larder because if as you're pulling your coriander out you think oh do you know what smoked paprika would be great pull it out yeah and you, you just sort of bounce off things that you've got as well yeah 
And it, sometimes it will be, oh, why did you use that in that dish? Because I'd run out of something else. Or because you think, oh, actually, yeah, this yeah, would yeah. be really delicious. Well, just so like just you like, would with it when you're totally improvising, ultimately, isn't exactly. it? Or when you've got a recipe and you're like, well, I don't have any dill, so I'm going to have to chuck some whatever it is. Exactly. Yeah. It feels like a sort of guided improvisation. And yeah. you're... And the main thing is you want someone else to be able to do it. So you just write down everything and put two teaspoons of this, right? The oven is on this temperature and this is how long it goes in for. And you write down 25 minutes. Shit's not cooked. Okay. Scratch that 35 minutes, take it out. And then the final bit is the, well, whatever you do for the dressing and the tasting. And then yeah. for me, if it's worked at that stage, I'll give it a big tick and it can go in the book, but I know I'm going to get a second test for the shoot. Yeah. And that'll be really helpful because, um, people on the shoot can eat it as well yes. but also my I mean the books have luckily I've got to the stage where my publisher was like, can I have a professional recipe tester now they're like yes you can but before I relied on my family and friends amazing so that list of 60 to 75 titles I wow. sent on an email chain to my friends and family with I'm a, so glad get... we've met <laughs> well, <laughs> well, well the thing is a lot of them are young mums so oh, they're really? kind of looking for yeah. especially with the tin books they want something like easy and interesting and they're reborn making the yeah. same thing but yeah. in the oven while they look after little kids is really helpful so yeah. I felt like I was imposing they're like no please god give us more dinner ideas amazing so it's great and that's such a good early way of both testing it to, for people to say well, do you know what? In my oven, that only took 15 minutes and it burnt. Or in my oven, that yeah. took 45. Or have you thought about adding orange juice to this? Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. But also... Or like the chopping took me a bit longer than it said, but um, exactly. I did put the bins out, do three rounds of washing up and clean all the surfaces. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it's really interesting, I think, on the prep time being, because I, like, I quite like it when people come back with a specific, oh, no, it did take me 10 minutes to chop. Yeah. Or, you know what? This is a 20-minute job. Yeah. Um, so that's it's super helpful and as an indicator of which recipes are going to be really popular just from that list yeah because people ask for the same ones and I feel that it's so interesting the way that a title's written that will make you want to eat it so if you just God, said cottage yeah, pie what's the quality of writing pie. in the top line in um top line. In, in yeah does it get called that as well in in, in recipe um, writing, or I mean, just I just the call it the I just call it the, the title, but yeah. I always think like if you don't have a picture and you can't be asked to like scan through the list of ingredients, I want the title to tell you everything you might need to know. It's about good writing from the off, isn't it? You're showcasing the everything from the top line. It's the same if you're ever pitching to write a sitcom or any narrative <laughs> thing for screenwriting. It's always like you can have. You can have the entire contents of a six-part drama ready, but they'll be like, great, love it. Give me a top line. Give me a great top yes. line. And you're like, oh, Tell me okay. what it is in six yeah, words yeah. so I understand. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's a really important part of the process, and it's fascinating that it is with coming up with recipes too. Have you ever had, as part of the testing process, um, you know, a nut that you could just couldn't crack? Oh, uh, yeah. And you had to, you know, change completely or and or like a any particularly memorable eureka moments or breakthroughs with something? Um, I think in that sort of, sorry, that classic, I'm just going to pull this uh, out of the oven, which I think I can do attached to all of this gear. Amazing. Um, all right, it smells really, really nice. It smells really chocolatey. Exactly what you would want. Um, I think I, I have a bit of a blank probably for both of them because by the time you've uh, written all the recipes, discarded yeah. the ones which were terrible, 
improve the ones that need improving. Yeah. I sort of tend to forget about it then until the book's published and then people start making them. That's fine. Um, because I'm sick of the sight of them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like sort of soon after handing in, I'm sick of them. But then by the time you get to pub, I'm like, oh, I love this. This was really great. And then it will make yeah. its way onto the rotation again. Would you like to see the pudding? <gasps> Oh, hello, wow. pudding. Look at that. I've gone for old school. Oh, hello. It looks oh, really fit. It's amazing. Okay. I'm going to put some in a bowl and I can join you having something to eat. Oh, yes. So, yeah, actually, funny enough, my uh, editor asked me that because I had a new editor because my last one um, uh, got promoted and went to a different oh, company. Wow. Which is sad for me. But um, mm-hmm. my, my new one's lovely, but um, we're having some trouble with a couple of the cakes in the, right. in the new book. And, I've tested them so many times and each time something sinks in the middle and then a test has done it and it's sunk for them as well. And um, she said, just out of interest, what do you do when this happens? Like, what does a recipe writer do when you just cut? Well, I said, I'll I'll give it another couple of bashes, at which point it's not going to go in the book and I'll just think of something else. It's a bit of a, you feel like it's a late stage to come up with a new recipe, but it's better that than having something that people are going to, yeah. make and then complain like there was um a chocolate cake in um uh, is it the river cottage or chocolate uh, uh, not, uh devil, no a devil's food cake uh anyway some some kind of chocolate cake and apparently yeah. it never it never works and it's just a famous recipe that doesn't work um and there's there's only one in my books which doesn't it's not that it doesn't work it doesn't look like the picture Oh, that's funny. Because it's a cannellini bean falafel. Mm. And when you make it, they make these sort of flat, round discs. They don't stand up like falafel. They're sort of like flat little patty falafel types. Right. And they're really, really tasty. But on the shoot, I didn't have any cannellini beans, which you meant to have, but I did have chickpeas. (laughs) Nice. And there was just no time. And I was really, really stressed and really rushed and we... I mean, it was the last day of the shoot and I just thought, well, fuck it. I'm just going to make them with the chickpeas. It'll, yeah. it'll be exactly the same. And of course, they, they looked different. They looked yeah. rounder and darker. Darker, and, and yeah. plumper. And, uh, and they went into the book like that because I couldn't do anything about it. And I, I should have maybe just written a note that I'd made them with chickpeas. Actually, that's a really good amend to make. <laughs> and that is the only recipe that I get people writing. It's like, well, look, I made them and they were really flat. And I'm like, no, 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 they're flat. When I made them, it's just like, oh, oh, it's the no. I'm so sorry. Yeah. But actually, That's maybe well, we've, because we've just never been able to reshoot it either. Maybe I could just ask them to add a line of text saying, these were made with chickpeas. Yours yeah. will be flatter. Ignore yeah. photo opposite. Scratch it out. <laughs> yeah. Or make them with chickpeas. Or make them with chickpeas. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's it's a constant it's a real arse if i could just take that one out i'd yeah. be much happier oh how funny that there's like that like sticking yeah oh, mm. comical oh this um, is really good oh is it mm. is it really chocolatey what it's sort really of bread chocolatey. did you use oh actually it's spoilers isn't it for a future recipe oh god no no of course not um i just use white farmhouse mm, nice. i think you want plastic bread yeah. No one's a sourdough bread and butter pudding, do no, they? No, no, I don't think they do. I think I love sourdough, and I've got some with my frittata. But mm. um, yeah, it's not for it's not for every occasion. It's been maybe slightly overly mm. um, fat. It's faddy. I say that. I want to give a shout <laughs> good out. Good for to a grilled them. cheese. Good for a grilled cheese, and just good for the. De- I've started getting it delivered because I'm a wanker. Mm. But um, <laughs> there's a lovely Quite bakery right. called Cooper's in Broccoli. They put mm. a card through my door and. 
Yeah, they come on a bike once a week and bring. Oh, that's amazing! And it's it it arrived today, and I think there's it's like a rite of passage that on the day it arrives, you've got to just have a slice untoasted with butter on top. And actually, I I was like, oh, this is perfect to go with a frittata. Yeah. We, yeah, we, we get through dangerous amounts of bread here. Mm. There's a lovely bakery. I don't know if you know, Bread and Butler in Deptford as well. Mm, they do great. great aren't they? Yeah, really do good cardamom buns as well. Mm. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're well good. Okay, I'm going to have to look that up. Mm. Um, would you talk to me about eating growing up? Mm-hmm. You're from East London. No. no. No, no, my family um, grew up in Cambridgeshire. Okay, lovely. Um, so little village near Peterborough. There's a church and a post office mm-hmm. and a pub. And some oh, but there's lovely. basically nothing there. Um, so as a kid, obviously, now I think, God, what a rural idyll. And when yeah. you're a kid, it's really annoying because you have to be driven everywhere and the bus only goes past your house like once every day. Yeah. Once. And if you miss it, you can't go anywhere. <laughs> oh. So you're very reliant on lifts. So learning yes. to drive is, I think, for all countryside kids, it's a big deal because you're like, I'm free, I can drive anywhere. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so that's where I grew up. And my mum is a fantastic cook. And my dad is also a good cook. But maybe that classic division of labour thing, even yeah. though they're both working. Uh, both my parents are GPs. My mum's retired now. Um, she she used to get a little, I think, a little bit um, territorial about the kitchen. So, right. um, like, oh, no, you'll, you'll just do it wrong. No, 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 out, out. <laughs> so, <laughs> luckily, not with me and my sister. But my poor dad's like, fine, okay. But she, she's one of, you know, those love languages that people talk about. Yeah. I think she's one of those people who expresses her love through cooking and yeah. through food. So even if you had a bit of a row, she'd be like, I made you a sandwich. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so have some tea. <laughs> yeah. So rather than sort of say, yeah, sorry, we had a row, she'll just sort of make something for you to eat. And if you don't really understand that, I think it's quite frustrating. Like, I'm too annoyed with you to eat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> made for me. But um, but I understand it more now, and oh, I think I'm so quite similar. Funny. It's really interesting. Oh, I'm quite similar, a hundred percent. There's um, yeah, my I'd say that ninety percent of my olive branches come in the form of a hot drink, drink. that's been yes. made or yeah. a, <laughs> a piece um, of fruit. <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? And and um, my dad is like a cartoon level of that. Like he is, <laughs> and his mum was the same. She's Austrian, and she was very. A really, what's comical is, or slash awful, is that it, it, the sort of borderline feeder or really main way of expressing <laughs> love oh, yeah. through food. But it came with a simultaneous, really strong hatred and judgment of all fat people. So it's quite confusing. Oh, yes, no, but it I was, know. It was quite like, you know, he eats, 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 eats. Ugh. <laughs> Don't you like, oh, this is so confusing. But no, my dad, absolutely. My favourite my moment of it with my dad is my son was about four years old. We went on a disastrous holiday. Um, it was just it was just the rubbishest holiday I've ever had where every you know I had a newborn um, my part my then partner and my dad didn't get on my dad was actually I think at the time pretty heartbroken from a breakup um, but couldn't compute that and was just being horrible to everyone and then um, we just had this awful fallout and um, it's the lot afterwards we didn't speak for three months it's the longest I've ever not spoken to my dad for oh, We'd no. had this, it was really I mean he's a He's a character, but um, I, the only reason, the closest thing I'd ever get to an apology and the only reason I knew it was over was when we went for a, we'd, he lives still in Dorset where I grew up and we'd gone oh. for a coffee and it was all sort of, um, you know, it's fine, small talk. 
And um, and I was about to drive back up to London, and he went, "Oh, I've, uh, I've got this for you." And um, it was just a it was just a carrier bag full of ready meals. <laughs> but I knew that that was his. I knew that was his really classy <laughs> apology. <laughs> a plastic bag full of full of um, yeah, microwavable dinners. I'm sorry, I love you. And I was like, all right. Oh, yeah, we can be friends. Um, <laughs> oh, that's really funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's um, yeah, that, that sounds quite similar to, to home. Yeah. Um, except I think my dad's more with the Let's do the cook more like acts of service. So I don't know right. if cooking counts as acts of service, but if you know you go home, I'm just going to check the oil in your car. I'm just going to make sure that I'm oh. just going to make sure that, that your tire pressures. You, you must check your tire pressure. Okay, then shall I do it for you? Yes. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. Just like all the really proud. I mean, I think my mum said when they when she started driving here, maybe she learned to drive. Yeah, she learned to drive here. They shared a car, or they maybe by the time she got her own little car. Um, she said for months she realised that she had never filled up the petrol and she didn't actually know how to fill up the petrol. Wow. And when she broached this with my dad, he said, well, well, I'll do it for you. She said, I need to learn how to do it. And he was actually a bit offended on the basis that, oh, really? I can, do, you know, I, I don't... Oh, don't take not, away my usefulness. <laughs> but yeah, but like, I'm, I'm trying yeah. to help you. Why would you... And, and, you know, her big thing with us as kids was let them do their chores. You know, my job was... Yeah clearing the dishwasher or you know uh, cleaning the shoes I love actually love cleaning shoes it smells great um but you know he'd try and take jobs off oh let them let them, they're just children let them go and watch television or whatever they do yeah. they're, they're never going to learn to be useful people if you yeah. just keep taking their tasks away I'm trying to teach them to discipline here and he's like oh they're just you know yeah, yeah. It's oh lovely philosophies and I do think it's so funny when you watch those those things you know you clock them in your parents and you go well I understand them now and I have empathy for that now etc and then you're like oh and now I do that <laughs> like Absolutely. I, I, I've had my mum's um it, it, she never used to be when I was little but these days is very territorial over her kitchen and um you know uh, uh, in recent years uh, and I love cooking you know and I'd be like I would love to cook one night for everyone and um you know she just can't bear it and then if, oh, if no. she does if she does ever let me cook um she gives me a recipe and tells me exactly what to use and how to do it and I'm like all right you know because she's got a plan <laughs> and I get it you know she knows what's in her fridge she knows when what's going off and she had a plan so you know no. let me and she's quite, she's pretty chilled in life but I think not these days when it comes to <clears> sort <throat> of kitchen management and, really um, and I was like oh god that's so controlling you know let me be creative I'm only trying to help and now that my <laughs> girlfriend now that my girlfriend's moved in I was like oh I am actually I am entirely my mum she's like can I cook on oh. Tuesday and I'm like yeah and um, can you do something with those sweet potatoes there's also this that she'll be like oh god you just, I just really wanted to, I really wanted yeah. to make something up myself I was like oh I'm like, entirely becoming <laughs> my mum. that's ah. really funny managing a house is really dull yeah it is and yeah. actually like oh I don't know you can live under the illusion that you need to be quite tightly wound screw to keep everything in order and avoid waste and blah 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 and actually it's all just about managing expectations of achievement I think there's only so much we can all do absolutely mm, I'm in my tongue I'm going to ask you some more sort of quick fiery eating questions okay okay um what's the swankiest thing you've ever eaten Ooh. Ooh, swankiest thing. Maybe. You know how you, when you go to 
go to Paris or when one went to Paris back when Paris was open. Yeah. You could go to somewhere that was quite unassuming and not necessarily super, super fancy. Yeah. But you'd get this really good meal. Yes. I think it was probably in some wine bar in Paris and getting foie gras <gasps> with a little um, pile of sea salt crystals. Whoa. And some kind of really, really, really good chutney Amazing. and brioche. And I recently decided I'm going to turn pescatarian, but I'm yeah. still having slight pangs. Not not over foie gras because I'm not that kind of person. Just thinking about chorizo and pantetta and things. Yeah. But, um, and I, I really disagree with the way that foie gras, I think it's horrible the way that it's made. Um, I mean, it's one but of those like, things where it's like, it's like, it's, um, do you remember when everybody talks about Gap? You know, Gap, uh, it's so bad that Gap treat you know they have t- their methods for getting their clothes is so terrible and then the spotlight was on gap and actually i'm sure gap do a better job than lots of food and um, clothes play- places yeah, now because yeah. everybody knows it. but it feels like foie gras is like the poster boy for terrible ethical food I know. production I um, shouldn't have but, mentioned it. but uh, no but also well i've come I in but the thing is we've all tr- like if you've ever been on holiday to france you'd have tried it and yeah, now it's the kind of thing I mean, you only I, try on holiday. Yeah, exactly. And now mm. I think I'm never having that again. And I'm so glad I did try it because it was delicious. I think it's particularly with the sweetness of a chutney and the brioche. Yeah. And it's just like so buttery. Um, but I did read in Heston, Heston at home, that apparently like ethically produced good, really good, which probably means really expensive foie gras. Yeah. Uh, it's just, a, a, you know, a farmer's wife with a... Uh, an apron full of corn and the geese run up to her to, to get yeah. the corn. So, you know, yeah. that's a, they're obviously quite happy to be overfed. Yeah. Obviously one doesn't. Oh, totally. There's an amazing book. I can't remember the name of the author. I wonder if it's there. It's called The Third Plate. And mm-hmm. um, it's got a fascinating whole chapter in it about this chap. Um, it's the same. It's in Iberico where they breed the pigs. Oh, the pigs! To make yeah, the acorn-fed yeah. pigs. Mm. And they're they're the same farm or a farm in that region. Um, the farmer tried a thing where he just had the um, geese living freely outside, but with unlimited food essentially mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. overfed mm-hmm. themselves and he made foie gras but and then it's his all about his this chef's mission to get people to realize it tastes just as good as but it doesn't have the yellow color of corn fed force fed oh. um, geese so it's about the color that chefs oh, are nice. looking for so it's and actually it's so interesting how um i think that book taught me anything it's that it's chefs can really change public perception over time just by using yeah. a certain thing a lot. You know, you popularise yeah. a thing, yeah. etc. And equally, do great things. Chefs have done so many brilliant things in terms of opening people's eyes to um, the nutritional weakness of certain processed foods or waste, supermarkets yeah. rejecting yeah. things yeah. or um, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I digress. Um, well, I think um, if you're on, on that, I think it's really interesting in good ways, sort of like chef like Otlangi getting everyone used to just using za'atar and ras al hanout yeah. and that being a totally normal supermarket ingredient. But on the normalising things that aren't, uh, I have this, I, I think I was overly affected by that food hygiene video that you have to watch at cookery school where they yeah. show you a kitchen covered in salmonella uh, because they've got UV or something. And it's a chicken of a pate, which is, as I learned on the course, the number one cause of food poisoning at weddings in the UK, or was when people were allowed to have weddings with people really? in pate, because chefs like to cook it pink. Oh. So because otherwise it just looks like a slab of grey and it's really ugly. But that is essentially pink chicken. And if oh. you wouldn't cook a chicken breast pink on the inside, you shouldn't cook a chicken liver pink on the inside. Oh, so grim. it's really grim. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Chefs. chefs, bloody chefs, bloody chefs, bloody coming over here. Chefs and photographers. <laughs> you want to take a pay cut, mate? <laughs> take a pay cut and cook your chicken liver. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think it, it, the swankiest thing you've ever eaten is probably one of the swankiest things in the universe. So it's an excellent answer. Um, <laughs> have you ever accidentally eaten anything that's not food? Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh... I mean, a good amount of collie hair seems yep. to get into everything nowadays, <laughs> which is deeply unpleasant. Um, I even, this is really gross, but I found a collie hair in my eyeball the other day. I was like, why my eye itching? And then you sort of put, oh, lovely, there is a collie hair in my yep. eye. Lovely. <laughs> as a cat owner, I imagine this might, may happen it's to you exactly as well. It's exactly the same, especially it's as um, just grim. we've just come out of a really cold spell at the time of recording. And um, yeah, the cats, you can't stroke them without having like an entire... Like a wig in your hand. I know. You could stuff yeah. cushions with what comes off them. Thank thank God she's not molting at the moment. But when okay. she was, I just thought, yeah. oh, <laughs> it's like wading through fur in here. Fair um, so, yeah, I don't think I have. You know, you accidentally swallow a fly sometimes when you're outside. Yeah. That's not oh, very nice. Oh, I've not done that for a long time. You know, you're breathing. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, no. sorry for breathing. And no. your mouth's maybe a bit open. And then like a little fly gets in. Oh, and then you yeah. yeah. And anything. Oh, yeah. I wonder if it, oh, it's never made me ill, but fascinating. Unpleasant. I wonder if it'll be unpleasant. like a post-apocalyptic day where we're like, oh, good. Thank you for the protein. Um, <laughs> <laughs> are, there, are there any foods or drinks which you hate that most people love or that you love that most people hate? I really don't like avocados. Fair enough. I think it they're like shit up- butter. <laughs> description just like shit butter really um i love avocados if, <laughs> if they are perfectly ripe the i'm i'm quite like an i like quite an eater upper and i hate throwing food away mm. so to the one of the things i hate about avocados is how easy it is to crack one open and be like right well that's when it's all black inside yeah, yeah no or the other way and you're like well that felt like it was ready and actually it's just that's like rubber in there still it's like rock hard or or stringy sometimes they've got like bits of oh, like brown yeah, string brown inside. string yes um, but in fairness i i do love avocados unless <laughs> they're involved in a pudding and it's a very fatty vegan yeah. thing to involve them in a pudding it's... and that can swivel because you can never you can you can always tell that an avocado's been involved in the making of the thing unless it's frozen yeah. in which case you're not really tasting anything anyway no no um have you ever had a patch where you ate the same thing every day? I think, yeah, when I was a kid. Uh, really? Yeah, I think I I just really like rice and chicken nuggets. <laughs> that's really, that's, it's not a tra- traditional combo, so I quite like that. It's I quite like, small. Like and I think rice my, and nuggets. And, chicken, <laughs> and my sister was rice, cucumber and chicken nuggets. Oh, well, at least she was getting, I mean, so she was getting a, a raw really veg in there. there. Yeah, yeah uh, she if, was. If there's any nutritional value in cucumber whatsoever. <laughs> Just water, uh, isn't it? Crunchy yeah, water. Yeah, basically, I mean, green, green crunchy water. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. You know, those, like, frozen chicken nuggets. Yeah, I think, yeah, fantastic. We used to have them as kids. Yeah. We grew up fine. Yeah. I feel like children maybe eat less convenience food now. I don't know. Well, posh, um, liberal, middle-class parented yes. children don't uh, eat as many. But, I mean, nuggets. I say that. I um, I'd say we have, um, in normal life, 
when my kids at school and stuff at the moment we've got time to do more cooking but in normal life we have it started off as pizza thursdays Mm-hmm. And now it's just beige Thursdays. So sometimes oh, it'll be pizzas, sometimes beige. it'll be nuggets, sometimes it'll be whatever. And when we pasta with cheese, yeah. Oh mm. no, that counts as a proper meal because I'll normally really? make a sauce with it. Yeah. Oh, I like it yeah. just with butter and grated. Oh, tenor. really? I see. Mm. I've never had that. I'm really? too much of a. No, I'm too. I want more. I want too my, middle class. My, I am. I'm too middle class. <laughs> my girlfriend's Scottish, and she would love that. Like she has toast with just butter, and I'm like. Pfft, who hurt you? Like, I want another, like, there's, there's 18 different things you can spread on that and you're just having butter. But, um, yeah, I think great. it's also, it's, it's a really sensible, there's, um, it's a, it's a less stressful way to live being like that, being like, well, I'm just going to have the things that I know taste nice. I'm like, I want, oh, I want another 18 flavours in there. <laughs> I'm making life too hectic for myself. Um, five second rule, yes or no? Uh, depends where I am and what sure. the food is. Sure, I think it's different once you've got a pet, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, as well. <laughs> it's a bit of a game changer. Um, <laughs> is, is there anything that you eat in a particularly ritualistic way? I think the 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 sort of standard thing is the old Cadbury's cream egg that people have a oh have a, have a specific way of eating. But have you got? So, is there any? Other, it's often confectionery. Mm. Someone someone once answered with a, an incredible answer about how they have their Big Mac. Like that? Any? Is there a, yeah. Sorry. Oh, actually, well, if you get this, this. So, if you want, a, I can give you a, a, a two McDonald's related, non McDonald's related answer. Yes, please. Non McDonald's related is a hot chocolate. So, I like to do it properly, where you like chop up real chocolate, mm. heat the milk, drop the chopped chocolate in. It's it's two hundred and fifty grams of whole milk, forty grams of dark seventy percent chocolate, oh. two teaspoons of sugar, and you whisk it. And it should you obviously it should completely melt, and then you use a, a milk frother. It's it's Ruby Tando's recipe. It's really really nice. Wow! Um, and it works really well with a slug of Bailey's or a slug of Disaronio. It's really nice. So mm. I like, I think I make quite a ritual about making it, and I make it in a particular really beautiful um, pale pastel milk jug that's quite a tall one. So nice. it feels. I don't you pour it from a height, and it all feels very special. And I sit down and I'm like, I am having a hot chocolate. And it's not oh, something that you have when you do other things. so nice. I want it's to do, really good. you give me a real pang for when we're allowed people in our gardens again. Mm. Even when we, if we do a sort of staggered exit of lockdown, that's exactly the sort Step of thing it. that you can say, do you know what? I know it's cold, but you're allowed in my garden. We can light a fire and I'm going to make this proper, and proper you can toast marshmallows to put on it. <gasps> yes. mm, or in it. I mean, they look terrible. Like, you can't photograph it when you put toasted marshmallows in it, but they are tasty AF. Oh, get in. My son yes. doesn't think it's a hot chocolate if it hasn't got some marshmallows, marshmallows. somewhere here. It does really inside. make a difference, doesn't it? That yeah. like sugary hit. Yeah. Um, exciting. The, the McDonald's related one. Oh, yeah. sorry, sorry. No, no, no. Yeah, tell me. Oh, sorry. The, the, uh, the McDonald's related one is chicken nuggets. Yes. Uh, which I eat in the car while I'm driving. Mm-hmm. So I've got the, the bag yeah. on my lap yeah. and then I open the box before I set off. Yeah. And I inhale because it smells like when I was a kid, mm-hmm. but only the first inhale when you open the box and you smell the nuggets and the hot cardboard and yeah. it smells like when you're a kid and this is the best yes. thing ever. But then you start eating them and I've tried sniffing the box. <laughs> it's not the same. That's <laughs> oh, so funny. It's really oh, God, it's so lovely. Yeah, I used to... Um... <laughs> I used to go to a gym that was next to an Asda and it was before I stopped eating meat, apart from very rarely when I still do. Mm. But um, yeah, they would do like, not obviously not McDonald's, but like 
hot nuggets or hot strips of chicken and that'd be the same mm. thing you like, open it go mm. and then drive and eat them on the move and it's a really exciting yeah, when you get to a lights or something so you can be like yeah get another one I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird oh yeah I feel like that's why I do keep Dettol wipes in my car on the basis that I need to like wipe the steering wheel <laughs> yeah oh you know you've got like really greasy greasy really fingerprints greasy. on yeah. the steering wheel yeah oh I think we're living our best lives <laughs> Say scrum diddly umptious. No. And then you can be in my podcast. Scrum diddly umptious. Showers and baths get confused. There's a spell. The showers and baths start doing each other's jobs. It's a disaster, McMillie. Every time anyone stands in a shower, their feet get wet and the floor floods. When they lie down in a bath for a bath, it's like sitting under a crap, tepid fountain, only a, wets a small circle of their back because a shower's trying to go up instead of a bath. And if mm. they move, then it ruins their ceiling. If this was the only problem, we'd cope, except you can only begin to imagine the devastation that's wrought every time the sky tries to rain. It just does a whole bath load of water down. It's carnage. Um, we've, <laughs> they've agreed to pack this nonsense in and undo this behaviour and go back to their normal behaviours, but only if you, and will it does have to be you, agree to sing O Flower of Scotland 800 times without a break whilst walking in sidesteps round and round and round your own block until that's done. It sounds impossible, but you do it! You're a hero. Your reward is a place in history as the woman who saved us all from a lifetime of shower bath confusion and floods and and, and underwater living. Um, your reward <laughs> in... It, so you've gone down in history, you're happy as it's possible to be. Like, it feels incredible. Everyone's like, you're amazing, you say. <laughs> your reward in the moment, though, is the feast of your dreams. It's a fantasy feast, so nothing has to be possible. I certainly couldn't give a shit about consequences, health, <laughs> none of that could give a shit ethics ethics um i just and nothing even has to be possible um it's the opposite of a last meal in the sense that you're the happiest because of how long it took to do all that singing you're starving you're the hungriest and happiest that it's possible Mm. to be Mm. um and i would love to know in that situation what the feast of your dreams would be the other caveat to mention is that i'm aware this is only your answer now and that had i asked you even in 10 minutes time you could give a different answer or had i given a different (laughs) run-up scenario it could be a different answer but theoretically what would your fantasy feast be i think it would have to start with a round of things that are deep fried nice so maybe some little arancini Mm. but only really good ones and really small ones and they can't be disappointing because they've got to be perfectly crisp on the outside a really good risotto on the inside and then maybe Mm. something nice like a bit of cheese inside and if they do have truffle it's got to be pretty strong because yeah so actually and then maybe some if we're just going to go general things that are fried oh uh, zucchini fries Mm. see there seems to be an italian theme going on here yeah nice fries really fresh just out of the you know the the skinny ones like really skinny not 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 fat ones like chips they're just wrong they're not crispy enough and they're wet on the inside i sound like i'm being very negative but i'm just very specific no i know i like it i like it that you know Mm. exactly how you want these Um, things and then maybe you would need something a little bit fresh like so maybe a few shots of gazpacho as a as a palate cleanser Mm. the mediterranean theme and then a massive bowl of freshly made cacio e pepe like they make in padella which is the wormy pasta it's great it's a roman thing it's a so it's like these thick pasta worms that are freshly made and they're just, there's no egg in them. They're just a flour and water pasta, but they look like little skinny, long, wormy biros. Oh, and the sauce is just pecorino, shit ton of black pepper, butter, oh. 
and salt and it coats it as a lovely sauce even though it's just like basically melted cheese and and it'd be you shouldn't melt it because it'll get you know blobby but it's so nice and you have more pepper in it than you can imagine yeah to the point at which a little bit more would be too much that's just right and then i suppose you want something light again uh, but I really like tiramisu, so I think that might... Oh, I love profiteroles, too. Have and my jealous chocolate raspberry cake. Have those I mean, Have you things. had that before? It's really good. No. Um, yeah, and then maybe just a tiny spoon of, like, raspberry sorbet or something. Oh, amazing. Mm. Amazing. How lovely. God, that... I feel like I need to sort of take a bit of time on my own to have a think about that food. <laughs> <laughs> well, like you just sort of rattled it off but I was like whoa yeah whoa oh hang on oh god yeah oh, well I'm quite oh, hungry oh, oh, yeah. I think okay you, doing this before oh. lunch is really clever um, okay but I think actually you could do that last bit as a cafe gourmand and then have a really mm. good coffee so you just have like a little it's bit it's a cafe gourmand like dip, cake tapas I think yes yeah, yeah it's like French cake tapas you get three yeah. little bites of delicious like petit four style cakes yeah. with a coffee yes uh, please oh yeah. god incredible mm. Well, I am going to take some time on my own with those thoughts. Um, (laughs) Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much. This is really fun. What a gorgeous guest. Make sure you're following Rukmini on Instagram at Miss Minifer, M-I-N-I-F-E-R, Miss with two S's. Um, And as we said, she's got four books out, all tray baked books, I implore you to get them in your recipe book canon. Um, And excitingly, there is a new one. Not that I knew that before we spoke, but coming out in April. So any day now, actually, which we can all pre-order. It's a vegetarian barbecue book called The Green Barbecue. I have pre-ordered mine. Um, Links to everything I just waffled on there, as ever, are in the podcast notes. Um, If you want to try Oddbox, you can get a tenner off your first box using a link that's also in those podcast notes or in the biog of the uh, podcast Twitter account, at the Hoover Room Pod, uh, which makes it only, I think, two ninety nine for your first ever fruit and veg box from Oddbox. I think they're the absolute nuts. Um, uh, wh- I, wh- make sure you're following everything that Minnie does. If you're following my business, which I would love you to, follow me at Jessica Foster Q. Um, I'm hoping soon to have the tour dates that were meant to be rescheduled to right now moved, some of them at least, into July. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Hopefully we can do gigs again then. As soon as I know, you'll know. And I'm sorry it's frustrating to wait to find out. It's even more frustrating for me. I wish I knew what was going on. Um, uh, You can see me doing some stand-up on the television. It was on um, last Tuesday at 10pm. I was on a new stand-up show called Funny Festival Live. Or Festival of Funny Live. Just look on iPlayer. Yeah, and so that'll be on the iPlayer now. Um, yeah, feel free to support the podcast with lovely reviews. I'd love that. Tell other people about it. If you've got spare money, you can support the podcast financially at ACAS Supporter or on Patreon. Anything longer than a tweet to send me, you can do that by emailing me through my website, jessicafosterq.com. Huge thanks to ACAST for hosting the podcast. Hoovering is produced by Emma Corsham and the music is by Mike Greenway. Until next week, happy hoovering. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.